Wonderful. Hello. <laughs> morning. Yeah, morning. It is morning. It's a good morning. Imagine if heaven came to earth. Now, you'd be a bit more excited, I promise you. You, you would be quite excited. You wouldn't be sitting there on your blessed assurance wondering what time he's going to finish. You would be excited. Amen. Let heaven come, Lord. <laughs> Let heaven come, Lord, please. I need it for this crowd. I can see them. I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Yeah, no, I did. Yeah, I said it out loud. <laughs> Wonderful. I am um, trying to get into the singles thing yesterday that they wouldn't allow me. <laughs> and I just heard it was an amazing time. And thank you, where are you, that gave their testimony. Uh, superb, really. Wonderful. And just being so vulnerable and open, it's, uh, that's a blessing. So I'm an elder, so, uh, you know, hugs are free. I'm joking. I'm sorry. Stop it. Just stop it. Everywhere I go now, I lost my wife just over three years ago. And as you say, you know, it's like, that's it. You know, it's done. And I could have been a miserable old git, a grumpy old git, if I wanted to be, because um, that's you can make the decision. And the Word of God helps you grasp that actually it's an end of an era and you've got a new life to live. And I carry around me my wedding ring around my neck and a little cross. And there are two covenants that are represented there. There's the covenant of marriage, which um, we made our vows and we said, until death parts us. And death has parted us. So the covenant is ended. But there's another covenant, the covenant of the cross, which is eternal. Hallelujah. And heaven will come to earth one day. And God will take us up to be with him. Imagine that. Yeah, it would be exciting. You're allowed to get excited. I mean, it's, you we Christians. God is coming back. He promised, I'm coming back, I'm coming back. And in the meantime, I'm going to try and help you guys live it out as best I can. The Bible says that when Jesus left, he said to his disciples, it's actually better for you that I'm going away because I'm going to send one just like me and he's going to not just be with you, he's going to be in you. So if Jesus was in the flesh on the planet now, he'd be in Weinberg congregation. And you guys would be, just I'm sorry, <laughs> you would be saying, if only Jesus could visit us. Eh? If only Jesus could visit us. But he sent the Holy Spirit. And he doesn't waft around. He's in us. And so wherever we go, we take him with us. And he manifests himself to us so that we understand that the joy that is ours of salvation, that, that we can live it. We should be a happy people. The Christians should be the happiest people on the planet. You know, and we leave church and then when it's too long and, you know, squeak. And uh, he did, well, I didn't like what he said, squeak. And uh, Craig didn't lead it so well, squeak. And then the piano didn't work or the keyboard, squeak. You need the oil of the Holy Ghost to help you. The, the piano didn't work, so the piano didn't work. God was still here. Just get a new frigging plug, guys. That's all, please. <laughs> I'm sorry, Craig. Thank you for your welcome. <laughs> I'm going to speak to you out of uh, Genesis chapter 26 this morning. So I'm not going to read the whole chapter. It's a chapter about Isaac and another guy called Abimelech. 
And the chapter 26 mirrors almost chapter 12. Isaac's old man Abraham, Abram as he was then, also was uh, in a famine. The Bible tells us in chapter 12 and in chapter 26, it tells us there was a famine. And uh, Isaac, so let's go back. Abram um, inquired of the Lord, and the Lord said to him, you must go down to Egypt. And you go to Egypt because there's a famine and there's food there and they can help you. But when Isaac, when his turn came and there was a famine, God said to him, no, you stay. You don't go. You stay in the land. You don't go down to the famine. You don't leave the famine. And so it's like COVID has caused a drought, a famine in Christian circles. Because you imagine you're a big church and you've got a two or three thousand seater auditorium and you have 50 people. So it's a big decision the, the leadership's got to make. Should we just meet for 50? And you know, what about the other 2,000 that can't meet? And so they don't meet. But this is church. Online, please, Lord Jesus, the sooner that ends, the better. And I'm, I'm joking about hugs and things, but touch is so important to a human being. Even just the fist bump were. I never know what to do. You know, you walk the guy and you do this and then they've got this, so you do this, they need us that. And just confusion. Just give me a hug, Bruin, get it over with, you know, kind of thing. Uh, and COVID has messed it up. It's, it's messed it up. But praise God that Joshua Generation has been built in such a way that we can keep meeting in our smaller groups. I mean, it's a, it's a blessing from God, isn't it? The COVID thing is, yeah. And what's happened in COVID, generally there's been a lack of growth because of a lack of life, because of a lack of the life of the Spirit. And growth only happens when there's life. You know, seeds got to fall into the ground and die, and then it produces life. And if you don't give it some water, it too will die. Amen. So this chapter is as I said, almost mirrors Genesis 12. There's a famine. Uh, Abram lies about his wife. Isaac lies about his wife. Isaac, did you learn nothing from your old man? I wonder if Abram ever told him. Now listen, my boy, we, we had this situation, and you know your mom's a very pretty woman, and I was a bit, he couldn't have told him. And Sarah actually gets taken in to Abimelech's, that Abimelech, there's two Abimelech's, not the same guy, he's not that old, from Abraham to Isaac. He gets taken in like almost into the harem. Unfortunately, nobody, you know, touches her or sleeps with her. But Isaac, he, he, he says it out, you know, she's my sister, like his dad said, and then Abimelech saw them, you know, just laughing together and hugging each other, laughing. And he realized there's more than a sister thing, yeah. And she wasn't taken in. He became very wealthy. Abraham became very wealthy in that time when there was a famine, when there was a drought. And there was a quarreling over water rights because they were digging wells, because they needed wells, they needed water. And Abraham went down, as I said, and... Uh, uh, Isaac didn't. So God gives Isaac amazing promises in Genesis chapter 26 and verse 3. I'm sure we'll have them on the, but I'm 
teased her just now. I said, if you don't put it up, there we are. 1 to 6, 3 to 6. So this is what God says. Stay in this land for a while and I'll be with you. And I will bless you for to you and your descendants I'll give all these lands and will confirm the oath I swore to your father Abraham. Much like the promise that Abraham got, Isaac's getting the same promise. I'll make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and will give them all these lands and through your offspring all nations on the earth will be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed me and kept my requirements, my commands, my decrees and my laws. So Isaac stayed in Gerar. So he stayed because he knew God had spoken to him and God was going to do something for him. Then in verse 12 of chapter 26, it says this, Isaac planted crops in that land and in the same year reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. I'm a son of a farmer. I come from the Eastern Cape and I just want to remind you the wise men also came from the Eastern Cape area. <laughs> you know why Jesus wasn't born in Bethlehem in the Free State? They couldn't find three wise men there. <laughs> um, so <laughs> so you, you never plant in a drought. You, you've got to prepare the soil. You know, the rains come, you prepare the soil, and then you plant. And There's a famine, there's, there's nothing. And God says to Isaac, plant or sow your seed in order to get a harvest. He encourages him in the difficult. In the natural, that's not the smartest thing to do, but he did it, and God blessed him. Now here's the question. What seeds have you been sowing during this drought, this famine of COVID? What seeds have you been sowing? If you've been sowing seeds that are not going to be a blessing to you, you, you're going to reap something that you actually don't want. Question yourself, what seeds have I been sowing in this time? In Hosea 10 and verse 12, this is what the prophet says, Sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap the fruit of unfailing love and break up your unplowed ground, for it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers righteousness on you. Sow to yourself righteousness. God is calling us to sow seeds that are going to produce a harvest of good biblical perspectives. Now we've sown seeds. Galatians 6, 7 and 8 says this, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. That's a, that's, a, that's a scary verse. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. And the one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. That's a very sobering, very sobering scripture. So, what seeds have you sown? I'm not Mr. Perfect. I used to be perfect, now I'm conceited. <laughs> I said to my church once, my humility is the thing I'm most proud of. <laughs> and somebody said, Amen. <laughs> they were a visitor and they, they realized they'd made a mistake. So if you, if you sow seeds of negativity, you're going you're gonna to reap negativity into your life. Now, 
it's not, it's not, you know, I'm always positive and I'm the man and I never get miserable. I, I can get grumpy, I promise you. But I've got to make a decision in the morning when I get out of bed that I'm not going to be a misery today. I'm, I'm not going to sow seeds of negativity. I'm not going to sow seeds of doubt. There's been so much doubt. Must I be vaccinated? Must I not be vaccinated? If I get vaccinated, is this what's going to happen to me? I'm not saying whatever you must do, you must make the decision. But we've listened to fake news so much. There's so much nonsense. I've really reached the place where I, I don't watch the news. It's always, a, all I ever see is oak sticking needles into people's arms. And when I see that, I want to faint. You know, when they do my injections, because if I look, I'm gone. Seriously. doesn't hurt me. I just, just the thought of that going into my skin, I'm out of there. And then it's smelling salts and all sorts of nonsense. But you watch, that's all you ever see is that, funerals, and people having stolen money. That's our news. Is that all that's happening? I, I sow seeds of, of doubt, seeds of unbelief. When is God ever going to do something? When is God ever going to come through? Here we are, we're trying our best. You know, I just, I, I don't know if I can believe that. Craig, Craig said it, guys. We, we have planted unbelievably in this time. You guys have planted Gordon's Bay. Weinberg planted Nusenberg. We've planted Hermanus. Grebeau. Stellenbosch PM. Now there's Durbanville Central. I mean, it just keeps going on and on. We've planted congregations during lockdown. Do you know this as, as a fact? Every single week in the Joshua Generation churches, people get saved. Every single week. Sometimes there are 30 people around our congregations. First time converts. Sometimes there are six. But every single week, people get saved. Now, come on. Come on. What, what are we talking about? Unbelief. No, people, people are bringing their friends because the friends are finding that in this time of drought and, 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 and famine, because they need something extra, we need something. They've got to find Jesus. And Jesus is finding them. Are you saying seeds of frustration? They zig with everything. Look, don't put your hope in anything outside of the book. Anything else is going to disappoint you. It will disappoint you. Now, the question is, what have we sown? Isaac, in obedience to God, through trial, through adversity, through opposition, planted or sowed, and through that God leads him to the place of his promise and his presence. When we fulfill the obligation, and you said it so well, it's all here, we can't sit on our blessed assurance and just God's just going to give it to me. You know, gimme, 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 my name's Jimmy. No, no. We, you've got to do some work. Jesus took the initiative. Jesus did it for us. But now that we're in it, there are works that he's prepared in advance for us to do. Now, some of those works are for our own personal lives. It's like discipline. Get up. Read the book. Speak to God. God never speaks to me. Well, when do you ever speak to him? You've got to ask yourself those questions. 
So we need the promise. God's given all of us promises. Every one of you has had a promise from God. Somewhere in your life, God's given you a promise. You run after the promise and you find his presence. So what do we sow in times of famine or drought to enjoy or see the promises get fulfilled and his presence realized? I pray this every single morning of my life. I say, God, I want more of your presence. I must have more of your presence. And I pray the prayer that Paul prayed for the Ephesian church. He said, I pray that God will give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so you'll know him better. And I'm saying to myself, God, there must be, and I know there is, there must be more. Have I reached this place? I, I want more. Give me that spirit of wisdom and revelation. I want to know your presence. I've known times of the presence of God, but I want to know it more. I want to hear his voice clearer. I want to hear his voice. And I want to see his power. I want his presence. I want to hear the voice. And I want to see the power. Oh boy. I want to see the power. I want to hear his voice when I'm speaking to someone. I want to hear that voice saying, this person, like words of knowledge, this person is struggling with that. And when you say, they say, how do you know that? Oh, I'm, I'm a child of God. God's just shown me something. To help people. I want to hear the voice. Don't you? Don't you want to see the, the, the power of God? Don't you want to see God heal people? I want to see God heal people. I want to see God set people free. More than we're seeing. We're seeing some, but there's more. There's more. So what do we sow? What are the seeds we sow during a time of challenge and difficulty? Well, we sow, first of all, the seeds of obedience. It must be obedient. You to be obedient to the word. You're not obedient. You can sow your seed, it will never die. It will never germinate. Trust. I'm going to sow seeds of trust. In 2018, when my wife died, I said to God, I want a year out. I don't know why I said that. Somebody had said to me, the, the, Jew, the Jewish nation takes a year. And I said, well, if it's good for the Jews, it's good for me. I mean, I, I just want a year, Lord, just to gather myself, just to catch my breath. I'd been in ministry for nearly 30 years, and I felt I just needed a bit of a, like a break. I'm just going to visit churches, and I'm going to sit and be selfish, and I'm going to receive, just for a change. So I did, and I visited churches. And she died on the 10th of July, and her funeral was on the 16th of July, 2018. And on the 14th of July, 2019, I visited Sunningdale, Haverview. Purely, purely, purely by chance. And Andrew happened to be there that day. Now, you know, he's very seldom there, because he was traveling so much. And there was a guy called Greg Garrett. Anybody knows that name? He's not a, he's not a 412 church, but he's from Joburg. And Andrew got excited. He said, he said, Greg's here. He's the word man. Jeff, you're the spirit man. We've got word and spirit. This is a prophetic meeting. And off he went. And will you come and bring a greeting? Well, I wasn't connected to any church. The thing I'd been pe telling people for 30 years not to do, I was doing. But I was just visiting. Seeing what God was saying in other churches. So I didn't, I didn't have 
greetings. So I said, well, I met Andrew, I think it was 1996 at a camp in Jeffreys Bay. He was still in the church in Port Elizabeth. And the power of God fell at that camp. And I remember Andrew standing like at the door, his long hair. All he wanted to do was serve. Use this oak and whatever. And we just laughed. Anyway, end of the meeting, somebody went to Andrew and said, look, I don't know who this old guy is, but I felt God speak to me and say he needs to work with us. I was sowing seeds. I was believing God. I was try- I, I said, Lord, I've still got lots to give. I might be ancient, but I've still got something to give. You know? And God just changed my life in an instant. Just everything just changed. So, Andrew, you know it is like now I've heard that, you know, when you get asked for a coffee by one of the elders, and he said, Can we get coffee? And he said to me, look, this is what's happened. This is the prophetic thing. I feel it is God. When can you start? I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) Just give me time. Anyway, that's the story. Sow seeds. I don't want to sow seeds of of doubt and unbelief. I want to sow seeds of trust. God, I'm trusting you. I want to sow seeds of faith. I'm believing you. It doesn't look like. What what did Isaac think? (laughs) In a drought, sowing seed. Determination. I'm not going to give up. We've got an enemy. You're absolutely right. Discipline. Dedication. Devotion. Love. Joy. Peace. Patience. Kindness. Goodness. Those are the seeds I want to sow. Because I want to reap that harvest. I, I want that. Don't you? But we've sown seeds during this time. We've got so negative. Some of us are so negative if we connected you up to a car battery, you'd run that flat too. Just you're negative. You just become negative because it's difficult. But we mustn't let that catch us. And it's not the power of positive thinking and mind over matter and all that nonsense. It's believing the book. It's believing what he says about you. And about what he wants to do for you. Galatians 6, 9 and 10 says this. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. But there it is. Don't give up. Don't give up. Sometimes we give up. Just just before God wants to give the blessing. You just we must keep pressing in. We must keep doing it. We've got to plant, we've got to sow. The second thing we must do is we must learn to dig. Dig into this. Find out what it says. Dig into it. There's so much. You've got to dig into the realities of how the Holy Spirit wants to work in your life. Genesis 26, 13 to 16 says, This is Isaac now. The man became rich, and his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. Now, just understand what Craig said is true. This is not a formula. That's an old covenant understanding of the blessing of God. If you have been blessed financially, hallelujah. That's wonderful. But that's not a sign that you actually 
really a very spiritual person because you've got a lot of money. Okay, there's a lot of Philistines that have got a lot of money too. Can you say amen? Yeah, but they're not generous. He had so many flocks and herds and servants that the Philistines envied him. So all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the time of his father Abraham, the Philistines stopped up, filling them with earth. Then Abimelech said to Isaac, move away from us. You've become too powerful for us. And there's such a lesson in that. When God begins to bless you, when you begin to dig and you begin to find these truths, these beautiful truths that apply to you as an individual, to you as a couple, to you as a family, to your house, to your work situation, to whatever you do. You don't, don't give up. Just realize that you must press on, press on, press on. Get them. The Philistines envied him. Then the Philistines, this is what Philistines are like. You know, Philistines are the unsaved. If you say, I've got a Philistine friend, it means he's unsaved. He's a Philistine. They stopped up all the wells that Abram had dug. They stopped up the very life source that was helping them, that was helping Isaac to become rich. They stopped it up because they were envious. Now in church, envy is a terrible thing. It's a terrible thing. I can do, I can do better than that. I could have fixed this plug. I mean, if you just gave me a minute, I'd have fixed it. First of all, I would have prayed. Nobody prayed. I'm just, you know, I'm joking. Jesus met this woman at the well in John chapter 4, the Samaritan woman at Jacob's well. And you know the story. He had a conversation with her. And this is what he said to her. He said to her, she said to her, how can, what are you going to drink? You, you haven't got anything to draw water. How are you going to get the water? And he said, well, the water I give you, if you drink of it, you'll never thirst again. She said, gee, that's cool. I want that water. And then he said this to her, the water I give you will become in you a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The water I give you will become a spring of water. Now when, when you receive Jesus, when you get empowered by the Holy Spirit, he puts a spring on the inside of you. Our problem is, through life, through circumstances, through challenges, our springs get blocked. They get stopped up with all sorts of stones and nonsense. Sometimes our springs get so clogged up, we, start, we stop growing because the life of God is not emanating out of us because there's a lack of water, there's a lack of the reality of the Holy Spirit. Got a friend who we planted a church with in um, Clarence, and when he went to Clarence, he bought a farm. You know, they said, you know, Mary had a little lamb. There's nothing on McDonald at a farm. <laughs> so you know, so he's got a farm, and on this farm, he's got a spring, a spring in the mountain, and he's built cottages on the farm, where people come and spend weekends, and and this spring just keeps providing. It never just keeps giving and giving, and giving. But the key thing to him receiving the water out of the spring is keeping the source open. So, 
in order to keep it open, he's built a little thing around it so that if the animals come, they don't walk on the source and block the flow of the spring. Because the spring brings life to all the people that come to the farm. These cottages, you can't believe how much water comes out of the mountain. It's just amazing. In the free state. I mean, can you imagine the orange free state they call it? There are no oranges there. It's nothing's free and it's in a terrible state. But the, the, the orange free state, this, <laughs> this, this water coming out the mountain and it just keeps flowing and he's got to protect the source of the spring. And my brothers and sisters, we've got to do that for the spring of life that Jesus has put in us. We've got to protect the source because it gets stopped up. What causes the blockages? Well, sin. Simple, really. Envy. We saw all the possible deacons and elders. Maybe you think, oh, geez, I didn't. I should be a deacon or something. Pride. Pride. Unforgiveness. I've been in the ministry for 34 years. The number one source of issues in people's lives is unforgiveness. Somebody said, somebody did, I just loved your testimony. You've forgiven him. It's gone. You're free. He's got the problem, not you. You're free. But we hold on to things. And unforgiveness is a root that grows, and from that root grows all sorts of ugly, haha, poofy things. And you pull that root of unforgiveness out. Disobedience. You gave a TV away, gave some money away. God gave it him back. Well, I've given money away, and I've got me back. So now I'm going to stop giving, because it doesn't work for me. No, 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 no. That's not the formula. I must be obedient. If God speaks to me, I must give it. There's no guarantee that I'm going to get something back. But I'll tell you what, I'm sowing good seed. I'm sowing good seed because I'm being obedient. Laziness. You know, you've heard of duvet fever? Cold mornings, you get duvet fever. The alarm goes off. And you hear the first voice and it says, sleep. So thank you, Jesus. That's the devil, man. <laughs> Laziness. Lack of prayer. Lack of prayer will clog up the flow of your spring. Lack of the word. It will clog up the flow of your spring. Lack of worship. I don't like to share things personal, but last Sunday morning I, I woke up at half past three. Now, sometimes I'm forced to wake up at Sunday funny hours to, you know, visit the clay nacy. But I was awake at half past three. You know what it's like when you wake and you try and go to sleep? And you can't. So, And I'd just been reading a book and the book encouraged me to understand that God speaks to us often in the small hours of the morning. So my first response was, 
Lord, this is like the very small hours. Eh? This is, hello, you know, this is very small. Couldn't we just have waited maybe a couple of hours? Just So I got up and went to my little study. And I felt a spiritual attack from the enemy like I haven't felt for ages. And well, thank you so much, Lord. I'm up to get attacked. But God forced me to worship Him. He forced me to believe the Word. He forced me to pray. You know, when I don't want to pray, I pray myself into prayer. When I don't want to worship, I worship myself into worship. I do it in cold blood because I know it will do me good. So when God wakes you up, then God spoke to me. And He gave me some words for the meeting that I was going to in the evening. Well, you know, you could have just given it to me over my breakfast. It would have been so much easier. But I learned things. I learned things because I was obedient to what God was saying. Get up. Get up. And I got up. Lack of worship. COVID has caused some of these, but we mustn't blame COVID for everything. Yeah, but COVID did this. COVID did that. It has done horrible things. I'm with you. But we've got to stand in these days. Isaac reopened the wells and even dug new ones and there was quarreling amongst the herdsmen, so he moved on. He moved on in the physical realm, but we must move on in the spiritual realm. Isaac had problems. Don't get stuck in disputes or opposition. Essek and Sitla were the names of the wells where they were. Move on to where you find space with God because that stuff blocks the flow of the Spirit in your life if you don't progress in your walk with the Lord. Adversity, opposition, and conflicts should move us on, just like Isaac moved on. And Isaac moved on to where God wanted him to be. God's not finished with you yet. God's not done with you. He's still working with you. You're not the end product. Sure, Lord, I'm, I'm reached this wonderful age now of whatever I am. I'm not going to give it away. Um, surely it's enough. Now. No, 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 no. He who began a good work in you, and it's not just an ordinary work, it's a good work. He will bring it through to completion. But he's not going to force it on you. He's going to work with you as you submit yourself to him and allow him to minister and speak to you. We must move on. We must move on. God's calling us to those things. And then, what he did in Genesis chapter 26, verse 23. From there went to Beersheba. Now, it's very interesting. He was in Rehoboth. And the well at Rehoboth was, there's room for us. And it's almost like Isaac, Isaac was spoken to by God. There was, no, there was no conflict anymore. He just felt in his inner man, I must move from there to Beersheba. Because Beersheba was the land that God had promised to his dad. And so he moved to Beersheba. And that night the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bless you and will increase the number of your descendants for the sake of my servant Abraham. Isaac built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord. And there he pitched his tent. And there his servants dug away. We've got to sow. We've got to learn to sow. 
becomes a famine. You've got to learn to, to dig. You've got to dig deep with God. But then we must build. It's interesting that he moved from Beersheba, as I said, there wasn't conflict. Challenges and difficulties had moved him because he was obviously a man of peace. We were quarreling, okay, we'll move. Next, well, now there's quarreling, we'll move, we'll go. And that night, as the Bible says, God spoke to him. And Isaac was being purpose-driven, but he wanted to be presence-shaped. We must have purpose, but the presence of God must shape us. Can you say amen? Because in his presence, the Bible says, is the fullness of joy. So when I see miserable Christians, I wonder how much they've been in the presence. We, we've got the best thing on the planet. I had a lady once years ago, um, she was a bit of a, she was a Gnostic. She always knew more and had better experiences. And She wasn't a member, but I arrived one morning and she said to me, she said, I've travailed all night for this meeting. Telling me that I hadn't travailed all night for the meeting. And God had spoken to me and she said, I'm in such sorrow and anguish. This religious devil was speaking to me. and I, The one thing I don't like is religion. Eh? You like religion? No, you like relationship. Oh, religion. And so she carried on and she came and she said, I'm with the Lord all night. So I said to her, lady, I don't want to be rude, but are you sure you're connected with Jesus? So she said, why? I said, because if you've been with him all night, you should be a very happy person and you're very miserable. And that gave that little religious devil a kick in the rear, which didn't like. But there's this thing, this thing. Why am I telling you that? We must be presence shaped. Her purpose was good. It was she was going to pray. And God was calling her to pray. But she wasn't shaped by the presence. God's presence will change you. He will change you. So in honor of the Lord, Isaac builds an altar. What's the altar today? You know what an altar is? You go to traditional churches behind the whatever it is, the little pulpit thing, there's an altar. It's just a big concrete thing. It's called an altar, and they do things off the altar, and it's very religious, and they cover it with nice coverings with gold and purple inlays, much like the old covenant. And it's unnecessary. You're going to need one. They had an altar in the old covenant. The new covenant says Jesus went through the heavens. I don't know if it was like Superman. I'm in a, I often imagine the Bible says he went through the heavens. And what did he do? He opened a new and living way for you and me. He opened a way so I can speak to him and I can go to the throne room. I can go into heaven, so to speak. I can speak to the Father. Imagine what it was like on the day when Jesus was crucified and the temple curtain was torn and the Holy of Holies was exposed and people could look in. <laughs> there's, a, there's a myth, there's a story that goes around that the rabbis tried to sew the curtain back up again because they didn't want people to look into the Holy of Holies because that was so sacred. But Jesus made a way. He built an altar in my heart so that I can go to him anytime, anywhere. I don't have to go to a building with a little concrete block with a funny tablecloth thing on it and a couple of candles to make it look religious. I don't have to do that. I can do, I can do it in my car. 
I can do it here. I can do it anywhere. Because he's building an altar on the inside of me. And Isaac built an altar. Why? Because it was a place of encounter. It was a place of covenant. It was a place of prayer. He built a place to remind himself that God had been good to him. That's the first thing he did. And then it says this. He called on the name of the Lord. He began to worship. He began to pray. He began to seek the kingdom. Matthew 6.33 Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. First. And then these other things will be up. Then he pitched his tent. Bless his heart. And then his servants dug a well. Because why? They wanted the life-giving water in that valley of Gerar, which was dry. But they needed the water. They needed the water. The place of God's presence is also the place of God's provision. The place of God's presence is also the place of God's provision. So we plant, we dig, we build. 